Are you looking to buy your first home or refinance your existing loan? Even if you've done this before, the process can be a little intimidating. But don't worry, we've got your back. In each episode, we'll chat with industry experts and explain everything you need to know so that you can land the perfect loan for you with no problems, no issues, and no stress. Welcome to A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages, presented by Animac Home Mortgage. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages. I am Jerry Strauss, and this time out, we are going to be having a conversation about, man, one of the one of those things that seems to be such an intimidating factor for those, especially those who are buying a home for the first time. It's that first step, which is always the hardest, right? And we're going to be talking about it with uh, an expert, certainly. She is a product development resource team lead here at Annie Mac. Julie Bannon, how are you? I'm great, Jerry. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing very well. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to talk about this because, you know, I, I think about my own experiences um, in my younger days when first just thinking about buying a home. And it's so scary uh, when you think about what those steps might be and how complicated they may be. And it all starts with that first step the application. Do you feel that out in the world? I know you deal a lot with with applications and those who have to submit them. Do people feel very intimidated by this process? Um, I think that the, uh, you know, I've had such a long history with the loan application and through the trends of changes in, in the financial world. Um, yes, it can be a little intimidating, but I think when you have a great loan officer and a great financial partner, um, knowing what you have to collect up front is going to really make that transaction a lot easier and less less stressful. And I'd say for a first-time home, homeowner, you'd really want to know um, what you'd want to gather in advance to be prepared to fill out that loan application. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of jump into that loan application process and then have to pause and go back and look for information. If you have it up front and you have it there at hand, it makes it a lot easier. And then, of course, to know kind of and expect what what is going to be on that application. What are they going to ask for? Sure. And that's a great reason that we're having this conversation today, just to give you some hints and some tips and maybe give you some insight into some of those things that you can expect going into the process. Uh, let's talk about the idea of this universal application. Now, what exactly does that mean, the, the universal aspect of it, uh, just in the, in, in the realm of, of this process? Yeah, they call it a uniform residential loan application, and um, it, in conjunction with Fannie and Freddie, Fannie, Mac, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, and the Federal Housing Finance Agency, there um, is a standard form the entire industry uses to obtain a loan application from a borrower. Um, so everybody in this industry uses the same form. Uh, we all have to learn it. We all have to get familiar with it. Um, it's used in conjunction with the automated underwriting systems that we use in conjunction to make decisions with loan files um, and uh, our other doc drawing systems and some of the stuff that happens on that back end to get your files to closing. Um, and so it's it's a standard document. It's uniform across the industry. Um, and so you won't see variations of this document between lenders. 
it's very it's got to be a kind of a comforting thing and it makes the process at least a little easier to swallow just knowing that everyone is dealing with the exact same application the exact same requirements for information and so i'm sure there's lots of helpful resources even beyond your loan officer um some good information out there that's applicable to this process so that's a really good thing um when someone starts a mortgage when they're thinking about buying a house now what exactly is the sequence of events? I think a lot of people are confused about at what point they need to apply for a loan. Do they, in your eyes, do they need to have their eyes on the prize, so to speak? Do they need to have a home in mind or can they get the process started before that? Um, I think that that shopping experience comes in all shapes and sizes, depending on the family and the situation that you're in, the state that you're in, and the events in your own life. Um, I can say that I feel that it makes it easier to have that pre-approval in hand, to know what you can afford, to have an idea of what those mortgage payments are going to be, what the current interest rate market is before you go shopping. Um, but I know that sometimes the motivation to even dig into what you are approved for comes from something that you see as an image out there for a home that you see your family in or yourselves in. And um, so it, it comes as a mixed bag for sure. Um, and it depends on your connections with agents and real estate relationships and uh, lending, maybe even financial industry relationships, right? But I think the, the easiest thing for most people is how much can I afford? What are the mortgage payments going to look like? Um, am I prepared for um, unexpected repairs in my home and tax increases and homeowners insurance cost and HOA cost? Um, and just knowing what all of these other things around the mortgage, it's not just a matter of buying the house, um, what everything else around owning a home entails. And starting with that pre-approval even before you go shopping really makes it easier to kind of dive in and start researching all of these little things that you want to factor in before you settle on that contract and start settling into buying that home. Gotcha. And and I know, you know, from experience from from experiences that uh, family and friends have had as well, in certain situations at least, you need some sort of pre-approval in order to make an offer on a home. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. So it's something that you kind of have to go in armed with when you're ready to get serious about about the process. Uh, now, as far as the application goes, I think people are also, especially in uh, today's world, uh, a little bit curious about where that needs to happen. Is that something that needs to officially happen in an office? Does it need to be on location? Uh, or is this something that uh, can be done remotely? Um, I think the industry had very quickly adapted to our current pandemic environment where there's a lot of social distancing and um, remote access to uh, banking. And um, Annie Mac, here at Annie Mac, we adopted very quickly, but I think in general, the mortgage industry was very quick to adapt. Um, and there is uh, e-signing process for your initial disclosures. There are uploading methods for your documentation um, that you can do online. Uh, most 
statements, pay stubs can be downloaded or scanned in or photographed with your phone um, very clearly and sent in uh, and uploaded through secure websites. Um, and then in the closing process, we also have for um, interim disclosures that are given throughout the process and then those final closing documents, those often can be e-signed or at least partially e-signed. Um, and then there may be an opportunity where the there is a final um, closing that is done through social distancing at this point in time, um, but it'll be a limited number of documents um, and it varies based on state. Um, and so the industry has been very um, quick to try and adopt new ideas in order to accommodate what's going on in that pandemic environment. Um, but I think in general, technology is driving us towards that way um, anyway. And I think that was a, a reason we were so easily adapting to what was going on in our environment in this industry is because just from the nature of technology, we were already heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, another, Another fear addressed here. You know, I think we're we're doing a really great thing having this conversation. Hopefully all of you listening are sort of getting the idea that this is not as scary as you might have thought. So <laughs> it's, it's not. not so bad. <laughs> um, and uh, then, of course, we get to the application itself. Uh, it's, it's, as you said, something that is universal. Everyone fills out the exact same form. And uh, it's just part of the process. You're going to uh, to fill out your application, say, this afternoon. This is part of your schedule, part of your plan. What are some documents that somebody would want to gather ahead of time in preparation for sitting down and getting it done? Um, yeah, so your loan officer in general is going to provide you with a basic list of documentation um, and submit you and give you a link to an online application. In that online application, um, it is a requirement that you have a two-year residency history listed on that application. So if you have maybe lived in more than one place, you're going to want to have the dates in which you were living at that location, how long you were living there for, and an accurate address for a full two-year history from the date that you're going to apply. Um, and then you also want your rent amounts if you're renting or your mortgage payment amounts if you're paying a mortgage and owned a home. Uh, the other thing is, is employment information. You're going to have that two-year consistent history, um, or I'm sorry, that two-year documented history that is required on those lo loan applications, and it's consistent for the entire industry. Um, so you want your two-year employment history. If you've had a couple of different employers in the past two years, you want to make sure that you have your start dates and end dates, um, positions, addresses, phone numbers, and it makes that application process a lot easier. Um, those two things tend to be the items that stop people and start people. Um, the other things that you'll want to have, of course, are your bank statements. Where is your down payment coming from? Um, and the full balance and assets for your accounts um, and retirement accounts and stock accounts and those things um, also help for reserves um, or might be in some cases a source of down payment. So those would also have to be documented. Um, and you want to start gathering all those things together um, and have the most recent months available. You don't want to work with documents that are too old. So as you progress through the process and you're going shopping, you want to just accumulate your pile and start stacking things together to keep those months current because more than likely you're going to have to supply some updated documentation throughout that process. 
Um, and some other information we're asking on that loan application is going to be the basics, right? Your name, Social Security, any alternate aims you might be under, your marital status. <clears throat> um, you might have uh, down payment um, uh, from a gift, earnest money. Those items will be asked for as well. Um, and then the important stuff uh, for liabilities to calculate your debt to income ratio. And then we're looking at income. Um, you're going to have your real estate owned if you're somebody that is not a first-time home buyer and you happen to have additional real estate owned, or hey, maybe you are a first-time home buyer and you inherited a property. Um, there's several scenarios out there before where people haven't gone through this process that still may be new to the application world. Um, and you might still have REO, so you're going to list out any land commercial or residential property that you owned on that 1003. Um, and if you happen to have rental income associated with that, you'd want to kind of gather that stuff together as well. And then we're going to ask a declaration, some about the financial part of the transaction. Um, and then there is a financial history declarations about um, any prior bankruptcies, foreclosures, um, civil lawsuits in which you have financial responsibility. And you'll want to have your bankruptcy documentation um, if it's been within the last seven years, foreclosure documentation, short sale. Um, you want to have that documentation kind of available so that you're prepared to answer any questions about dates with your loan officer once they get that loan application. And going back to our previous point about how the industry has changed and how things are handled remotely and virtually, I would imagine that you would suggest to, to have as much of this documentation scanned and digitized ahead of time so it's easy to just kind of email out if need be, right? Absolutely, and I think it's really neat that you're capable of downloading um, if you have online access to your accounts. I think a majority of financial institutions have downloadable statements available. I think a lot of employers still have downloadable um, pay stubs available. And then, of course, scanning and uh, phone capabilities as well. Um, but yes, absolutely, you want to get it electronic as fast as possible, readily available, because after you submit that loan application, the faster you can upload the documentation for review, um, the easier it is to get through the, the next steps of the process. Julie, I know obviously all this information you're talking about, and this is this is a great summary, a great way for people to prepare. It's all important. It's all necessary. Um, would you say there are certain pieces of information or certain documents here that are particularly important to have complete, to have current, to have as accurate as possible that can determine whether they're going to get this loan or what rate they're going to land at? Is there anything that needs to be focused on specifically to put them in the best position to, to get what they want here? Um. I don't know that any one document is more important than the other, but having the most current documentation no older than um, I'd say maybe 60 days from the date that you apply and then keeping in mind that they're going to have to provide some updated documentation um, is really key if there might be circumstances where you have to provide your tax returns, so having your tax returns readily available um, when they're asked for. I'd say pay stubs, bank statements. Um, are going to and uh, yeah, pay stubs and bank stamps are going to be the number one and two things that um, are going to be the first look at to kind of get you through that pre-qual stage. But um, the rest of it is equally important in qualifying 
for the mortgage because we have to calculate the um, debt to income ratio and the loan to value and all of these other uh, calculations in the industry that we do to assess risk um, all comes from the accuracy of those documents and the amount of information. So um, even it's important for bank statements to be pretty accurate and you not to dip into savings account or provide inflated numbers um, uh, based on what's currently in your account, but you have to use more than half of it for your monthly bills. And by the time that you go to do your transaction, you're going to have less than that. Um, so knowing what you really have for bank statements and uh, available funds for your transactions versus your day-to-day living while you're still working through this process would be another thing too to kind of keep a little separate um, and keep factored in for your for your funds to close that transaction. Gotcha. So you you're locked in. You finish your application. You're done. You're feeling good. But what happens next? What can people expect and how long can they expect it to take for the next step? Um, So after you submit a loan application, a loan officer generally is going to collect some basic income asset documentation. Kind of depends on what your transaction um, is going to entail, large deposit, any kind of special financing structure. So that's going to give them the opportunity to calculate your income, take a look at your available assets, and do a pre-qualification. And or even take it a step further and do a full pre-approval might be an option as well. Uh, Some places do what's called the TBD or pre-approval prior to you finding that property. And these steps would be similar. Um, And Uh, They would do a risk assessment. Uh, We have systems called automated underwriting that we work with in conjunction of doing that risk assessment. Um, But it is garbage in, garbage out, right, as accurate of information that we put in as as solid an approval as we're going to get. Um, So the more accurate information and upfront information we get from the borrower, the more we know upfront from the borrower, the better off everybody is in that transaction. And so um, the loan officer will structure the deal, take a look at whether you qualify for what's called conventional loan. Um, And then you have an FHA, VA, and USDA. I don't know if you've talked about the different types of loans that are out there in your podcast before. Mm -hmm. Um, But a loan officer might look at based on your down payment, your credit score, credit history, financial uh, asset availability. Take a look at that structure of that loan type put together a proposal for you um, and give you a a pre-approval so that you can go out there and start shopping for a home. Um, And in addition to that, at pre-approval, they're going to give you a needs list. Hmm. Okay. So that would be things that they, that are next needed to be submitted or. Absolutely. It's going to be the full list of, of items that are going to be needed to close that transaction. So needs list can be um, additional income documentation, asset documentation. And once you actually go forward and selecting a property, then there's even some more documentation that comes into play items such, an, as, a, uh, such as an appraisal. Um, and then we get things from the title company, such as a title report. Um, and uh, there's other tools we use on the back end to do fraud risk assessments and other things required by the industry. Um, So those are the things that kind of take place behind the scenes after a contract is accepted. Um, But during that pre-approval process, a lot of loan officers like to just have borrowers prepared with a needs list of once you find the home, these are going to be the things that you're going to need to additionally um, start uploading and have prepared to provide updates on. 
Yeah, I, I think what you said a, a moment ago is really important. Um, the expectation that there is going to be a lot of requests for additional documentation, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people instantly get freaked out. I've been there uh, when that request comes through because you're thinking, oh man, oh, uh, something's wrong. Uh, they need more information and this whole thing is going to go south. I'm done. But, I, it, you know, based on what you're saying, it's a pretty normal part of the process. Absolutely part of the process. And I think that's an important part of uh, that initial conversation with your loan officer and, and really um, getting proper expectations set up front is that throughout this loan process, there is a gathering of documentation. There might be requests for clarifications. There might be requests for additional documentation. Um, and there are things that get ordered in the process that provide additional information throughout the process to us. And we might have to come back to it with questions. What is, what is this that is appearing on this report? Um, and some of those don't get pulled until the property is selected. Um, and some of it has to do with the property itself, uh, might be homeowner's insurance too that you have to obtain. Uh, everything that is obtained through the process is reviewed. Um, and so uh, there's there's different points in the transaction that may call into question something that needs to be updated, clarified, um, uh, up to date because it may have expired. It just kind of depends. Julie, thank you so much. This has been such a great kind of eye opening conversation, I think, for a lot of people who just don't know what to expect when starting this whole process. Um, and, and I think that you've addressed a lot of things here that are going to make people chill out a little bit, calm down and, and be a little more courageous heading into their uh, potential home buying experience this year. I'll, I got one more question for you. Uh, from your position and your years of experience, nobody wants to start this off on the wrong foot or even with any speed bumps, any delays. What are some common errors or mistakes or things that you see from this first step from the application where you just see people time and time again doing something wrong forgetting something uh creating a need to kind of go back and ask them to fix something or provide something uh in a different way or is there anything like that that sticks out that are common steps or common errors to avoid um, yeah, I can give a couple of good tips there, and I just wanted to say thank you again for having me on um, and giving me an opportunity to kind of tell you what, guys what goes on behind the scenes of a mortgage, um, and it is not as scary. Uh, there is a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. There are opportunities to ask um, for updated documentation, but um, knowing what you're walking into and being prepared, I think, is everything. Um, and knowing that those are things that are going to be asked for and possibly updated through the transaction, um, getting that expectation up front set is just going to prepare you for that transaction and then staying organized with your documentation. I'd say the couple of things that people kind of make some errors on when they're first starting that contract process um, is, is making sure they have an an acceptable source of funds um, and that the source of funds that you're using um, are uh, acceptable for the down payment for the earnest money. Um, so sometimes people will just transfer funds from unknown accounts or accounts that they don't provide to their loan officers with their upload. Um, and so know that whatever you 
put an earnest money down, you're going to put that down payment down. It's something that we do have to source. We do have to collect bank statements on. We have to know where it came from. Um, and so uh, when you're putting down that earnest money, a lot of people put down a thousand or five thousand dollars worth of earnest money, sometimes even more. Um, we're going to end up having to to document that, get a copy of the check and know where it came from. So sometimes that tends to happen with the earnest money. <clears throat> and then I think um, losing track of your documentation would be the other thing. Really during this process, it is beneficial to stay as organized as possible, keep everything together. Um, and that way when your loan officer asks something, it's not stressful on you that you're working, you're doing other things, you have life going on yourself. Um, it's really easy for you to just supply it to your loan officer and carry on through the day without causing a delay in the process by not submitting it as quickly as possible. That's great. Awesome tips. Um, awesome insight. That's, I think that we're really giving people a bit of a leg up here. Uh, as they as they head into their own journeys <laughs> in trying to buy their first home or maybe their second or third. Um, sometimes <laughs> it gets it, it doesn't get any less intimidating, but I think talking about things ahead of time and being ready is, is the key. And uh, hopefully a lot more people will be doing that after hearing this. So Julie, thank you once again. Um, it's been great and uh, we appreciate you being on the show. Pleasure, Jerry. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for checking us out this time on A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages. Uh, we will catch you next episode. Thank you.